Okay, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Council. It's a very special week this week, of course, as the sci-fi epic Dune has released. Uh, you know, uh, this is obviously Jack's being, as you can tell. Um, and this has been a very anticipated movie for me. Uh, and we're about to get into it. Full spoilers, talk about everything in the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, um, probably shouldn't listen. Go check it out on the closest IMAX theater to you. And then come back to this review and listen to all of our thoughts. Joining me today to talk about Dune and all spoilers, I have, first and foremost, Constance. Hello, everyone. I also have Destiny. Guys. Um, of course, it's a Rebecca Ferguson movie, so I have Natalia. Hello, hello! And finally, with his own Dune book, we have Anthony. Yes, yes. If you're just listening, I bought the book yesterday. I'm excited to get into it now. Yesterday? Yes. Well, you know, left the movie, went to the mall, where the movie theater was, went to the book. Right next door, the there's a Barnes & Noble, you just walk on it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had an hour to kill in between that and the French Dispatch, which was excellent. Um, are you going to stop at the halfway point before? Are you going to go? Um, I don't know. I, we'll get into it. I think maybe yeah. reading Dune is helpful to watching Dune. So maybe True. I'll read the second True. part before seeing Dune part two. Okay. So what's everyone's overall thoughts on this movie? Let's, let's throw it to Destiny first. Dylan's always go first when I'm here. <laughs> but, you're um, never here, so. But you're the best. Okay, okay. And yeah. you are the best. You're my bestie, mm-hmm. though. Aww. But, okay, so <laughs> Dune, I love Dune so much. I saw it in, I saw it Thursday night. I saw it in Dolby Cinema. Um, and, oh, my gosh, I left the movie. And, you know, it's funny, though, first thing I thought of during the movie before I really started loving it was um, during one of Rebecca's scenes. I thought of you now. I'm like, oh, my God, that's going to love this. But <laughs> and then I think midway through the movie was when I really started to love it because I got more into the story. But, oh, my gosh, I just I love this film so much that I was, um, if you know me, I am a Snyder fan. And so I was thinking, I was trying to rank you know, the 2021 movies, so I haven't yet, so I, don't, I need to start on that. And man, I was thinking Dune may be a challenger for a top spot. I don't know. It could be a tie. I have no clue. That's how much I love Dune. If you know me, you know that is like a big statement. So I, oh God, I love the story, the music, the everything, everything about this is perfect for me. <laughs> really good. It's currently my number one, but many shocker. people probably expected that. <laughs> shocker. Yeah, shocker indeed. Right. Uh, let, let's go to Nat next. Um, I loved it. I was mainly just going in for this for my favorite MILF, Rebecca Luisa Ferguson Sudstrom. Um, pulling out the full name, let's go. Um, and I, I loved it and I was like, wait, this was so much better than I thought it was going to be. But like, I haven't, I haven't read the book. I don't really have much of a want to read it. Sorry. Um, I'm I'm busy reading all the shit that I have to for class and I can't take it. I didn't write it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but like I I I was able to get more than I thought I would. Like every I feel like a lot of the thing that's like kind of been scaring people to going in to see it is just like they're like, oh, it's so big and epic, talks about da 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 da. And I'm like, that's the thing that I was scared about. But you go in and you get surprisingly, if you pay attention, if you listen, 
you're going to get a lot of stuff that's that's going on on the screen. They're not going to tell you explicitly, even though they do have a whole lot of big fun exposition dump in a really subtle way. Um, but very good. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, I love the Rebecca Ferguson show featuring our favorite twink, Timothy Chalamet. Okay. And then <laughs> <laughs> let, let's uh, hear Anthony's thoughts next. So I, I feel like I'm in a weird place because if you follow me on Letterboxd, which, you know, if you want to, if you have one, you can. Um, Drop that I, I at, boy. With the at, it's probably Ant, Anthony Post, so there's an underscore between the two. Um, but if you follow me there, you'll see that I gave the film four stars out of five. And I feel odd because I feel that that means that people think I didn't like the movie. I like yes. the movie a lot. Um, but I do think that as much as I appreciate the spectacle and the unparalleled impeccable craft of the film, I did find myself not really feeling anything. And I think that's because I didn't really emotionally connect with the characters in any way that isn't the actor's work. Like I feel like Rebecca Ferguson and Timothy Chalamet are doing such great work here because any connection you have to them is their performances and it's not in the script for me. Um, again, I, I found myself more emotionally connecting to Denis Villeneuve than any of his characters, which I think says something about the movie. But again, I still think it's a really impressive technical feat. And I do think that Dune Part 1 could be made a, could, I could enhance that when I see Dune Part 2 and some of the more thematic layers are added when, I don't know if this is going to be a trilogy, so I think it's supposed to be a two-parter. Um, so when it, whatever the story concludes and it comes to a thematic conclusion, I feel like Dune Part 1 could improve. But being here in the present, I only can look at Dune Part 1 and say, there's a lot of spectacle. There isn't a lot of things. Like, for example, Oscar Isaac and Rebecca Ferguson are wonderful together. They really only get, like, one scene of dialogue. And it's when he's telling her, will you protect Paul? And I'm like, why in two and a half hours? are we not having more scenes of characters talking about themselves rather than just being pieces on a chessboard? So again, I just want, cause I feel like the rest of the panel is gonna take the reins and praise the movie as it should be. I am so for what this movie is in terms of genre storytelling and the going, please go see this in a theater if you feel comfortable. I saw it twice in IMAX and it was incredible. So again, I love a lot of it. I do think the character development, it's a little, I would have liked a little bit more character development, personally. Um, but I'm still a fan of the film. I still will see it multiple times. And I love Denis Villeneuve. But I think it speaks to Denis Villeneuve's credit that this is probably my least favorite film of his that I've seen. And again, that just speaks to how wonderful he is as a filmmaker, that this is like his low point for me. But it's still a really fun film that I can't wait to see explored more. And I'm definitely, after the crescendo of the last shot, that is this film, I cannot wait for Dune Part 2. I will be there opening night. I think it was a really bold, very risky sci-fi film that I'm happy exists in this modern cinematic landscape. And the last shot was Rebecca Ferguson. She was the yeah. second to last. We don't care about the big group people, man. Mm. I know I don't. <laughs> no. She, she had a very mean look on her face, too. Yeah. So she tell you, when Rebecca Fuck Ferguson was there, Rebecca Ferguson, anytime she was on screen, that Natalia would open her eyes, and when she was on screen, Natalia would close yeah. her eyes. So to be fair, Natalia was Rebecca Ferguson. She I just took a little nap every time she wasn't on screen. <laughs> yeah. Then Hans Zimmer just woke you up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
One of his best scores, I will say. I really, really good. Really, really, really good. Okay, sorry. Um, go Queen Constance. Yes, now Constance, what did you think of the movie? Well, it's it's strange. I'm the kind of person where I rely heavily on trailers. I'm like, this is your chance to get me. If I don't know it, like if it doesn't say Batman or something obvious, if it's new, new to me, I, I need the trailer to be like, this is why you want to come see me. <clears throat> and I, I never heard of Dune. But then last March, this little virus came along and stopped me from living the life I was living. And I got invited into a chat where Jack spent this whole year going, dude. So I feel like by osmosis, I became excited. <laughs> so it was weird to go to a movie and I, I go in there and I'm like, when I actually walked in and sat down, I was like, I don't know what I'm about to watch. I know there's sand. I know Timothy Chalamet's here. But what's the plot? I have no idea. So it was so weird. And I was very nervous for like the first 10, 15 minutes because there's a lot of names. Like, here's this planet's name and here's this group and here's this group. And, and I was like, oh no, I'm not going to be able to keep track of this. And I was so nervous. But then about 20 minutes in, I started to get sucked in. And certainly by the end, I was like, <gasps> you know, like on the edge of my seat, like, we'll get to it, but like the, helic the helicopter-esque in the storm scene, I was very invested and I was like, I hope they make it, you know. So, and sci-fi is not usually a genre that I am drawn to, not because I hate it. I, I like the great things like aliens and, you know, <clears throat> Star Wars and Star Trek. I, I appreciate what they've done for the genre, but I don't normally just check it out. But I thought this was very well done, so. Um, I, I started off nervous, but got more excited as it presented itself to me, since we had a lot of time to spend with it. Nice. I just realized I didn't give my thoughts uh, so quickly. I, of course, I loved it. I thought it was really epic, probably an epic, like, I don't think we've seen something quite like this. It's probably Lord of the Rings, honestly. Um, and I feel like people also compare it to star wars i think this is most similar to probably game of thrones there's a realism that Denis puts in this movie star wars and lord of the rings are more fantasies i would say uh, this is much more sci-fi um it feels very real nothing feels fantastical it feels like he just time traveled to the year 10,190 and filmed there have that um, right on your head yeah I, I'm not, I don't think that's the exact day. I think I, I'm guessing. But 10, I know it was in the 10,000. 10,191. I missed ah! the one. I was one year off. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, great performances, great visuals, everything, all that. So before we get into the actual plot of the movie, I just wanted to know who were the standouts among the characters in the cast for everyone. Um, I, I, I'll go first. I, I think I expected timothy to be good he's obviously the lead but as i find in a lot of movies recently the lead is often not the standout um he still gave a really good performance paul was a really good character but i would say that jason momoa for one really surprised me here most of these characters are going through a lot of like emotional like heavy stuff and he came in here like with his charisma and all that so i think that really helped My him stand amongst other people who are like a little more emotional but he was always very charismatic and then of course Rebecca Ferguson I think it's a huge standout here she this is the most I think she's been given as an actress to do besides maybe Dr. Sleep but I still think this is a little more and she absolutely kills it with everything that she's given she's a great character 
And um, I'm interested to see her future as a character because that last shot at the end made me a little weary. Um, Oscar Isaac's always good. Stellan Skarsgård was a really interesting, cool villain. And yeah, oh, also Sharon Duncan Brewster was uh, really good as Dr. Liet Kynes. So let's go reverse order now. Constance, who are the standouts among the cast for you? Well, I, I love going into a movie blind because I, I, used, I used to live in a world where you had to go in blind. I miss those days. So I went in, I did not know Jason Momoa was in this movie. So when he showed up, I was like, Jason Momoa is in this. <laughs> and at first I thought, oh, well, he'll be okay. Oh no, no. When we got to his big scene, mm. well, we're talking spoilers. His so his death scene, I was actually like, no. So <clears throat> he, he moved me. I was not expecting that. So yeah. <clears throat> big standout. Same thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. When Stellan Skarsgård showed, I didn't know he was, I was like, they got him in here? You know, so I, I kept waiting for, I was like, who else is in here? Um, I was confused by his character. So my stupid question was actually answered by a, a review. Um, I won't name names. We all know who we're talking about, though. Mm. I was like, oh, for a minute there, I thought he was the emperor because they kept saying the emperor's doing this. And he was like in a containment thing. And it felt very Vader to me. I was like, oh, isn't this kind of like how Vader's in a contain? And I don't know what's going on with that thing going up and down his back. Oh, I think like, it's gross. He's so obese that he can't walk. Okay. So I thought he was the emperor because I thought this was like, you know, uh, an homage to that. But then mm. I actually watched the reviews and I was like, oh, no, no, this is that rival gang that used to be in charge. A lot of names. That's my, so my one names. big gripe is I'm like, I, I, who's who? I, I need a flow chart. So, yeah. but yeah, um, it was nice to see all these people. You know, this is why it's fun to go in not knowing things because then you actually are surprised and you have even more fun. So try mm. to go in blind sometimes to things. Yeah. Just PSA, there you go. <laughs> okay, and I think... I'm starting to forget the order now. I think, Anthony, you're next. Yeah. Yeah, on the Stellan Skarsgård thing, it, every time he was on screen, I just had to keep reminding myself that this man was a mama mia. Like, it just is so funny. Yeah. There's a part of me that I was like, listen, I love you, Dave Bautista and David Dustin but if that was Pierce Brosnan and Colin Firth, I think it would have been A plot. No, okay. Um, <laughs> but um, I would say Timothy Chalamet and Rebecca Ferguson were the my favorite characters and Jason Momoa. I think those mm -hmm. three, I think are, Chalamet and Ferguson are of course given the most to do, which, and I think they're such wonderful actors. And I feel like they, I feel like a lot of people respect them, but I feel like they, they haven't really gotten into like the mainstream yet. I feel like this is their opportunity and they know that and they don't waste the opportunity. Um, to be in the spotlight and so it, with that it's kind of it's kind of reminded me of the way that if you ever see a Broadway show whenever you get an understudy it's their one chance to do it and they man you'll get a great performance because they really value the opportunity to be in the spotlight and I got that vibe from them which is why I think they are so wonderful here and Jason Momoa I think also because I think he's all he's been trying to not be stunt casting I think he's trying to follow the Bautista route of he can just be in something like Blade Runner 2049 and or Hotel Artemis, that really indie Jodie Comer, uh, not Jodie Comer, Jodie Foster film and like blend. And I think he definitely blends here. And I think the other thing too, what makes them stand out is a lot of the, a, a lot of the characters don't get to really talk about themselves in terms of any like pathos way. So Momoa gets to stand out because he's given some comedic beats, the, the, the spit, um, the gift of your moisture 
I thought was a great gag. Um, he gets the, like, you put on some muscle, really? No, um, another great. So he's able to be the only one who's not in this dour tone the entire time. And I, again, Ferguson and Chalamet are the only characters that I think that really get to show real pathos. When he yells at her by making her a freak and, you, and Ferguson has some great uh, face acting and that she sings so much without saying anything. Uh, so I think because of that, those three stand beyond the rest of the cast. Oscar Isaac, I feel like, is great. He doesn't get a lot to do. I would have loved to see him more and I was shocked that he died. I literally, I could not believe that they killed Oscar Isaac. And I know, you know, this is a book. It's not like they chose to do that, but I was just like, I, I, couldn't, be I couldn't believe how many characters they killed in this movie, given how much time is set, setting everything up. Like it, it was like the first hour is setting everything up. And then the second hour is like killing half of that. I was like really surprised. Um, so, but yeah, overall characters, I thought they were great. David Dasmalchian, I think is becoming a really great character actor in these genre storytelling. Um, he was great in, I mean, he was great in Dark Knight and Ant-Man and now he, the Suicide Squad this year and this, I think he's proving to be a really great, I'm gonna steal a term from one of my um, uh, fellow friends who saw the film. Uh, this film has a lot of great action character actors. Uh, who are very good here. Also, one last thing, Charlotte Rampling as the, I forget the name, but the lead of the Benny Gesserit. Mm -hmm. I thought her one, one and a half scenes were terrific. And it's a great example of using a very established actor. In It, it kind of reminded me of the way that, um, blanking on the name, Tarkin was in, Peter Cushing was in the original Star Wars. The, bring in this established actor to ground the material and give the film and the scenes that they're in gravitas. So she was also very good. She's not in it that much, but what she is in was great. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I also think Stephen McKinley Henderson is a great character actor. He was great as there, as yeah. Stufer, I believe is his name. Mm -hmm. um, okay, next, Natalia, I wonder who you will say was your standout <laughs> from the cast. Um... I'm not gonna go there first. Um, oh, okay. I think her name was um, Reverend Mother Helen. Ooh, I can't remember Definitely what her last Reverend name. Mother, yeah. Reverend Mother something something something. Helen something something. Um, but I'm not gonna go there first. To we all know who. Um, I am going to go with as everyone has chosen, um, Jason Momoa, who. Um, was amazing. I didn't, I didn't think that I would care for this man. Um, I, funnily enough, I was talking to my mother the other day and she and my dad, they just started watching C and I was like, oh, how's Jason Moa? And she was like, he's good, but like, he just plays a lot of like the same, just like buff and like punchy punch kind of people. Like I would like to see some range, put him in a rom-com and she's right. That man needs to be in a rom-com. Um, Game of Thrones season one. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Um, His appearance on Graham Norton with Amelia Clark is a great rom com. Oh, that was, oh, <laughs> I love Graham Norton. Um, put that man in rom com. But yeah, I, he was really, he was a lot better than I thought he was going to be because I thought he was just going to be the same kind of punchy punch. But he was very funny and he did have a lot of heart. And I think the thing that really helped him with that was how quickly and how easily he's able to connect with the Fremen and how he's able to very easily quite show that um, community that he's become again very quickly a part of and I thought that that was really good and I think the line that um, 
Paul had was like, you really respect them. He was like, yeah, I think they're great. And they're like, so connected, like the desert is their home and everything like that scene was so good. Cause you get to really very quickly see so many things happening with that. You get to see um, Duncan's love and appreciation for the Fremen. You get to see the way that the Fremen themselves are so attuned with the world around them with their own planet and you get to see paul's intrigue being more grounded because before it was quite literally just in his dreams um very good diddy we're so proud of you um paul um I liked him a lot. I, I, again, I'm a little, I'm, I'm really interested to see where he's going to go because I know that he just ends up being like space Hitler and I really want to see that happen. <laughs> Jack, it's true. <laughs> I had a feeling people say it subverts the hero trope. So I had a feeling. Yeah. He um, but I'm really excited to see where that goes and you can see little bits of that, especially in the tent scene. Um, and, and that was so good. And he, he's, you can really see how much of in this movie alone how much he's grown from being like a whiny little 15 year old to still being 15 but like growing into both both of the power of a duke and the um oh i don't remember what the the Bene Gesserit term for is for it is but i remember the one on arrakis is the al haib something like that um but yeah, I, he was good. But of course, we got to get to my favorite, my my op, my woman, um, Rebecca Ferguson as Lady Jessica. She was magnificent. I am so proud of her. She's getting the praise that she absolutely deserves. And she's always been someone who does so much and so successfully with, with not a lot. But this time, she's actually given something incredibly tangible and incredibly like she's she just emotes so well she's just standing there and she's just like shivering and holding her hands like this the entire time but she's doing just everything and i think the thing that she said a lot was like she found a lot of power in the stillness and i was like yep yes she did um but outside of those really quiet moments, I think one of my favorite scenes was with her was with um, when she was captured and we finally get to see the the use of the voice done so well with her. And I was like, ah, oh, this was, and then immediately after she was like scolding Paul, she was like, your pitch was off. It's just the, the back and forth of it was just so good. Okay, yes, I'm done now. I love it. There it is. And then, Last but not least, we have Destiny. Who is who are the standouts for you? So my standouts—they've already all been named, but I'll start. I'll start with uh, Rebecca Ferguson's <laughs> Lady Jessica. Oh man, I loved her so much throughout the entire film. I just love Rebecca Ferguson and her acting. Like you said, she always does so much with so little, but this time she has so much to work with because her character is such a major character here. And I just loved again how she emotes, how she just looks at a person and you can just tell what she's thinking um even at the end the look on her face I'm like what is your plan for how you're going to go forward with this environment I'm really curious but um another person I really loved was wait I don't know how she's been named but uh Sharon Duncan Brewster's character Dr. Liette Kynes I was 
I don't know. <laughs> I was not expecting her character to be um, a major character that would influence things like she did. And I think she just commanded scenes that I did not expect from her. And I <laughs> loved her. Honestly, I loved everyone. But, and then Jason Momoa, because again, I really thought he was going to come in, be like a joke character, but he was so great. I love the scene, like you said, Nat, where he's talking to Paul and um, he's saying how much he respects these, um, man, I'm not sure if I'm Fremen. Not, Fremen. It's weird. I want to say Freeman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, um, he's talking about how much he respects them. I thought it was a great scene. Even his death scene, even though I hated it, but even his death scene was so touching. I loved his whole relationship with Paul, the main character. And so that's my last standout as Timothy Chalamet's Paul. Maybe I'm just a Timothy Stan or something, but I really liked him in this movie. And I actually was not sure about him at first. I think when, um, what scene was it? I think it was a scene where he's being tested by the um, Jesuit. Yes, he's being tested. And he, uh, I think she uses the voice on him. And the way he looks at her and says, how dare you use this on me? And I'm like, I can kind of see why people want him to be Harry Osborne. <laughs> but I just love that scene so much. I love that scene so much. I think, that, I think that's when I started liking Paul. I liked even the scene where he captured the hunter's keeper, I think they called it, um, and his visions. And again, the scene where he yells at his mother and Jessica for making him a freak. I'm like, man, Chalme, you're doing really well here. I'm very surprised, even though I like your acting, but I'm surprised that you're doing so well in comparison to everyone around you, you know, because it's a great cast. But those are my top four standouts. Awesome. So there's a lot of other stuff that we could talk about but i think we'll we'll touch on it all as we go through the movie beat by beat so the opening is a little expositiony you know we've got zendaya talking about her planet arrakis some necessary exposition then we go to timmy waking up on caladan i'm just going to merge all of the caladan stuff together so we have him waking up talking to his mom for breakfast um then the Empire people come, they sign the treaty to take over Arrakis. Um, and then he sees his father on that um, plane thing with all of their dead ancestors. He trains with Gurney and then they leave. So pretty much that whole section. What are our thought, like standouts from the there? Gonja bar. Well, that, that, uh, that's going to have its own section. Oh, that's smart, right. That's, smart boy. that's, that's like probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. Um, but yeah, that, that section right there, all the Caladan stuff, what's, what sticks out to everyone? Well, I have a question. Who here has read the book? I don't think anyone. No. Not even you, Jack. Wow. No, I oh, wanted. I, I wanted it to I be. I thought a you read it. Oh no, I, I was. I wanted to, but I wanted the movie to be a surprise. Mm. So. Well, I know people don't like exposition, but as someone who did not know the source material at all, I really needed all that, and I don't think it was clunky. Mm-hmm. No, I think it was they very did good. a very oh. good. Like, as the breakfast scene was unfolding, I was like, what are we doing here? But as the movie progressed, I was like, oh, we needed that scene so that the voice doesn't just come out of the clear blue. That was very mm-hmm. good. This is going to be important later. It's going to feel like filler, but it's not. You know, I, I thought they did a very good job with, again, I, I just lost track of names, but the overall idea was not lost on me. So I appreciate how they explained, this is where we are. This is who we are. This is the big conflict, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Any standouts from here? I thought it was a really cool planet, the water planet. I thought the VFX was cool there. I would. Oh, Destiny. No, I'll go. But I think um, 
I think the scene that stood out to me the most from those first maybe even just 20 minutes was mm -hmm. when they're eating breakfast and they establish the voice because again well I think most you got you guys saw an IMAX right mm -hmm. I think all of you okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have IMAX near me oh, so. oh yeah no I don't either I, oh, I saw it in the I, I wish the closest IMAX is an hour and a half away so oh man yeah. but because <laughs> um IMAX is really good I saw it in Dolby though which I always consider better than IMAX even when they say oh this movie was filmed in IMAX I still see it in Dolby because it still looks amazing and if the sound is very like your seat vibrates like you feel through your whole body uh, so the scene where they were establishing what the voice was, and there was just a long pause because the first time Paul tries to do the voice, doesn't get it right. And then there's just a long pause and it zooms in on him. And then suddenly like you hear this booming sound as he tries to do the voice. And then it still didn't work. I'm like, what is this voice that that didn't work? But so I think I that scene stood out to me the most because I really wanted to learn more about his powers and his mother's powers and everything. Yeah. Um, I would say that this section probably maybe has my favorite scene of the film, and that's the Oscar Isaac, Timothy Chalamet um, uh, dialogue. And it, I think it has the best line in the film, which is the one that was in the trailers, but the one that's like, you know, a great leader isn't, doesn't volunteer to leave, he's called to it, but if your answer is no, then you'll still be what, you'll still be exactly who I need you to be, my son. I thought that was a beautiful touching moment and especially what happens with his father and I will get into it but I think the focus on the ring uh, I think was a really subtle note throughout that Villeneuve goes to to represent their relationship and I think that scene kind of sets up see that's that's a relationship that I feel like I didn't need I feel like they did set up very well and him and I think that scene by allowing the two of them to really share how they feel about each other especially in between two male characters and a, it being a father-son relationship. I feel like a lot of times you won't get that. Um, and if you do, it's in Return of the Jedi at the end when the father is about to die. Mm -hmm. um, so to see that at the outset, I thought was, I, I found very refreshing. And I really, I thought both actors did a tremendous job. So I would say as far as the opening Caladan sequence, um, that scene was, it may be my favorite in the whole film. I really thought Oscar, I, Oscar Isaac understood the assignment. <laughs> he always does. Always um, does. I think the whole, all of these scenes are, since the movie's about Paul, I think they're all important in establishing his relationships with everyone. Like the breakfast scene for his relationship with his mom, he gets to say goodbye to, um, what's his name, Duncan Idaho as he leaves. So that establishes their relationship. He trains with Gurney. He has that scene with his dad. So I think it's good in establishing the relationship of the whole Atreides family before they get into um, all of the Arrakis stuff. So any other thoughts on this whole section? I agree with Anthony that um, the Oscar Isaac, Timothy, Tim, well, Timothy Chalamet scene is, <laughs> is um, that's my favorite out of all of the Caladan scenes. Mm -hmm. Yes, most mm -hmm. definitely does not have Rebecca, but like that was such, that was the atmosphere of everything. The, the conversation leading up to it and the 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 question of legacy and while in front of so many dead people just and the um the tomb of your grandfather who um 
died in sport fighting bull. Like, amazing. <laughs> I love it. It was so good. I love that yeah. scene so much. Yeah. I loved his, his line is almost Timmy's, like, that Tashi Station line for him when he's like, but Grandpa fought bulls. And he was like, yeah, look where that got him. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, love it. Yeah. Uh, I, d- I just want to say also that I feel... I described the film in my Twitter view as dense, but I don't mean that negatively. This is, I feel like even more than Lord of the Rings, this has such a Herculean task in adapting so much material. And the fact that they're able to do it in any way that's like, like Constance, it's a lot of exposition, but it, I understood most of it. I think is a testament to how the opening introduces you to the world of Doom. Like I, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like they're just cramming it. Like it doesn't feel like a history lesson and they find different ways to get the exposition to you. Ooh, the, the, the books lesson. that he's reading. Yeah, the yeah. live books was very creative. I think which characters introduce what things. I love, as somebody who's always wa- watches training scenes and I'm like, how do you not go so far to kill the person? Like, how are you that in control when you're training? To see, the shields I thought were a brilliant thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how they were utilized was great. So. I do think the opening, I would say the first half is really strong and I think sets up the world of Dune incredibly well and how distinct it is. This doesn't feel like, it, it feels like in terms of scope, like Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, Marvel, Star Wars, the like, but it doesn't distinctly, it has its own distinct feel. And I think that's a tribute to how the movie begins this journey. Yeah, definitely. Definitely the opening is important in establishing a lot of stuff like the shields and all the relationships and such. But the next scene, I think it's a smaller scene, but it's so good that it deserves, I think, its own section here. The Gom Jabbar scene. Um, it's the scene where the Reverend Mother arrives, uh, her and the Bene Gesserit in their cool ship while it's raining. Um, and she tests uh, Paul because, you know, that's what they have to do because he's a male. They didn't want him to be a male. They wanted a female. And he has a lot of power and they had to test him. Uh, I thought Denis Villeneuve did a video breaking down the scene, which oh, I would I was suggest. going to talk about that too. Yep. <laughs> I would suggest checking that out. It's really good. And you, you can tell just in the way he breaks it down, how even the tiniest of things he has intention behind, like even something like how he wants Timmy to put his hand in the box. Like it's just such small little things. And he has like thought of every tiny detail. Um, and I thought the Bene Gesserit in general are just such a, what probably the coolest group of people in general i would say in this movie um and yeah i thought um charlotte rampling did a really good job as the reverend mother and yeah it's a really intense scene and i I, the acting from everyone was good um so what what did everyone think of this scene i loved it yeah it was one of my i i already mentioned it a little bit but it was one of my i think that's i said that's when i started loving timothy as paul um, but I think it was just in a very intense scene in general, especially because you have the you have um, Lady Jessica outside of the room, obviously in emotional turmoil, and where I'm wondering, okay, what is happening? Is she? Because I knew from, from the trailer there was going to be this type of scene, but I was wondering what is going to be. Is he going to die? What is the catalyst? Why is she reacting? Well, she's his mother, of course. But what is going on? Um, and then even when the way um, I think you watched that breakdown. I meant to watch it. But That's even good. the way that he was having kind of not necessarily a vision, but if he you saw his hand burning. So I guess that's what he's feeling. And then I don't know. 
Oh man, I love this scene so much because it's so intense. Honestly, a lot of the scenes I like in this movie are very intense and I can't, I was just riveted. I barely ate my nachos, so. I like that. You're a nachos person. Interesting. Yes, I'm a nachos person. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know what kind of movie snack <laughs> person you are. Yeah, nachos. I, we'll sometimes get popcorn, but mostly nachos. Talia keeps track of everybody's eating habits. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else regarding the Gom Jabbar? I thought the score, as I mentioned earlier, that's uh, probably my that favorite score track. was so good. I was, as I yeah. told you all, but we weren't recording. Um, I was listening to it before coming in and it's just, it's so good. And it melds. So we're not talking about the score, but like, I'm just going to say this right now, yeah. the way everything just melds into each other. It's just, ah, oh, amazing. But for the Gom Jabbar scene, 10 out of 10 would recommend. This scene is so good. Charlotte Rampling is an absolute queen. Um, again, with the video that Jack and I watched, um, she was meant to have her veil off sometime, but the way that, I, I, again, it made a lot of sense that she kept it on the whole time. So um, intimidating. So intimidating. She's also like so stupid tall. And the little, the shoes help and everything. It, it was, and the, and the giant hat. Oh, yeah. She's just so frightening. I love it. Um, but Timmy was really good in that scene. And you, you could see how, like, he was scared shitless. But then, he, as he kept having those little, like, sparks of visions and everything, he was getting back all of the power from um, the Reverend Mother. And it was just, oh, so good. And, of course, I have to talk about my lady. Um, two parts about her. Before um, she leaves... Um, she is she's like about to hug timmy and she's like you got to do whatever the reverend mother tells you and but she's like about to hug her but then she realizes oh no i gotta remember my training too and she like has no emotion like an absolute detachment and that was just you could see her hesitating so much that was so good and of course when she's sobbing and um, saying the um, I must not fear monologue and it, it just cutting back and forth between literally everyone. You can see the fear in um, the Reverend Mother's eyes from the visions that, Tim- that Timothy is having and you can see the fear and you can hear the fear of, of Lady Jessica as she's saying this monologue and, and probably thinking that her son's dead in the other room. And it's just like, it's so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Ah, please watch it. I think the way they enter in the rain was such a great, which also it's taken us to way too long to say two words. Greg Frazier, the cinematographer. Yes. Sorry, Greg. Insanely talented. He, uh, he shot, I think his biggest uh, cinematography credit before this was Rogue One, which was one of the best looking Star Wars movies incredible work here uh, i think my favorite shot of the film is when uh, timothy is sleeping and the rain reflection is dancing off his face mm. um i was the, the way i, I love rain and snow in movies anytime they're used uh it's why the force awakens lightsaber fight is my favorite of all of them so um i loved anytime there was rain in this movie especially because most of it is a desert i was like give me water yes uh, <laughs> but yeah, the cinematography was great. And I want to say on Natalia's point with the score and the melding and the layers, this is, this is one of the best sound design films I can remember seeing. It is so impressive how they layer everything and what they do, something like this scene with really feeling the intensity of the voice 
or his hand. The sound design is off the charts in this film. It's incredible, yeah. The score in general, if anyone else, I think we can stop and talk about it right now. If anyone else has anything yes, else yes, they yes, want to yes. say, yes. I think this is one of Hans Zimmer's best scores. Of course, he's an incredible composer. He only has one Oscar for some reason. He's, I think he'll get one for this well, one. The Lion King of all things. Lion King. Wow. It's a good score, but he's done so much great things since then. Yeah. But yeah, in general, I think I've listened to the score multiple times. Every track is amazing. Sometimes in scores, there's like, a few words like okay i can skip that one but everything in this one is really good uh standout would probably be gom jabbar and i really like the um dreams of arrakis um track as well but anything else from anyone on the score yes i am currently taking a music and film class and we're probably going to talk about hans zimmer maybe this week or next week um but I was watching this movie and I was paying attention to the sound, which is a thing that I never do, but I am doing more because of this class. So um, thank you, Dr. Jones. Um, but I know we're not on Arrakis yet, but we will be, but I really got to yeah. talk about this. Um, yeah. With the sound when he's uh, the spice, the, the spice harvester and he's going and he, and the storm is about to hit, and right mm. when it hits him, everything cuts out. Like, ah, it was so good. It yeah. was so good. I just, I can't praise the sound enough. It was so, it was so intense, and it really helped to bring out the 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 scale of this world too. And it was just, ah, oh. and the way that the the light motif of the um, that was everywhere, and like, it was. Oh, in just so many different forms it was just so good it was yes, yes. very good very, very good, good. And he, oh also the when the Bene Gesserit leave in their weird ship I thought the score there was really cool so yeah anything anyone else have anything to say about the score I would just say I love it, but I don't yeah. have, um, I immediately listened to the score on my drive home it was the best thing mm -hmm. ever I turned it all the way up in my car <laughs> But yeah, I love it. He must have gotten all the bones. <laughs> Very powerful score. Very powerful. Enhances the movie a lot. Mm -hmm. But um, now we are arriving on Arrakis. Um, you know, lots of stuff happens here. They, it's really just about um, introducing the whole world of Arrakis. You know, they get there, people are chanting. Um, I forget what the word is. At, um, yes. Something like that. that. Sure. At, um, at Paul and Jessica as they walk around um, they fly into the city and they get a better idea of like the city landscape oh, they have these cool like dragonfly ships which I love um, Jessica picks out her handmaiden uh, watering trees and then uh, we'll end it off with um, the hunter seeker that um, tries to attack Timmy but he um, is so still that it doesn't detect him so what do you, we want to talk about here Whoever wants to go. Well, I have a nitpick. Um, okay. Go ahead. Love it. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So when they arrive and they're walking and everyone's like, you know, like, oh, our new leaders are here or whatever. That costume that Jessica Ferguson's wearing with all, it's like. Jessica Ferguson. Every, <laughs> Jessica. I'm sorry. I just got a tweet. And you combine them. Yeah. So. Her, that, all that fabric is billowing. I was like, this is a very impractical garment. So impractical. Why? It's beautiful. It's stunning. I like how it looks, but I was like, this is so, why are you wearing this? So and that bothered me for a minute. 
Maybe. She has the chain mail and she has the veil. She's so yeah. covered. Not, yeah. not a speck of sand is getting on that woman. I don't know if they felt like, oh, we're going to have wind and it's going to be billowing and it's going to be majestic, but it bothered me. So I didn't She wanted to make a good first impression. Mm -hmm. She wanted to really meld into that background of all of that orange. She saw Kim Kardashian cover herself at the Met Gala. (laughs) She said, I want that. (laughs) Let me see. Yes. I I think my favorite part was... um, the scene with um, shout out Mapes, um, yes. that was good because you get, you again. I I don't know if you've noticed from how I'm reviewing this, but you get a lot from different points of the of the of the of the movie of the story. Um, so we get the um, religious aspect of I think the word that she that shout out Mapes used was when you've lived with prophecy for so long it. Oh God, I can't remember it, but I, I can, I, I see the scene. Um, but I, I thought that scene was really good because you can see the two worlds finally coming together um, with Lady Jessica and all of the power that the Bene Gesserit have, but also as the, um, as a former, I don't, what, what do I call her? When she was from Caladan, she's still a concubine, but like, Concubine of Leto from Caledon, um, and the newness and the um, I don't want to say like and the devotion of of the people for Leonel Hadid um, that was that was just really powerful and the the way that the the guard was like be was like ready to either I think she was going she was on the guard was with um shout out mapes right the guard was was, with Rebecca yeah the guard was was with Rebecca but like shout out mapes was signing like be prepared for I thought Rebecca was no that was shout out mapes oh no I thought it was Rebecca it was I think Rebecca was the one signing like stand back be prepared for violence. I'm gonna I have this ready. <laughs> Let's figure it out. She had a knife. Shout out Mapes. She had, had a knife. knife. I don't think anybody else signs except for Rebecca and Timmy. I yeah, don't, I don't think so. I think it was one of their things. Like I like I'm potentially maybe that's a Benny Jesserit thing. And that's why the two of them do it. Because like Oscar yeah. Isaac never signs. And I would feel like if it was this sort of like like house Atreides thing, then he would do it eventually at some point. At least I feel like Villeneuve would have made that point of doing it. Oh, I think he's a Rebecca thing. Or yes, I guess I'm, I'm we're sure. all going to find out together. Well, we'll I, see. No, leaving yeah. technology up to you, Natalia. <laughs> I'm not going to show you. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> I thought that was a very intense scene, though. Yeah. Uh, a good scene. Out of this section, I think the Javier Bardem scene was probably my favorite. Oh, that was oh, yes. good too. Yes. Oh, I love um, And I loved I, I both times, but especially my Friday night I went the first time I saw it when he says I recognize you to Paul, which I'm interested to know how he recognized him from the visions. Like that, I'm really interested. It is in Shadow Mapes. Um, but the I thought that moment everybody was like, "Ooh!" Like it's such like it's I feel like in a movie that has a lot of plotting and and like exposition to get through 
moments like that of intrigue and suspense that kind of like just like they give you a little taste of something (gasps) i was wrong (laughs) i think the thing that really threw me off was we would do a a shot reverse shot to the hand but it was on the same side as shadow mapes yes there you go was rebecca it was rebecca never mind um But yeah, I, yeah. Love, I love that. Javier Bardem was great. I love that scene. And the, again, the spit gag was probably the, the light. The it was, and I don't need it. Like I don't. We didn't need jokes in this movie, but I do think moments of levity like this were great and very well used. Especially when Oscar Isaac then does it, um, and I think yeah. Kenley, uh Henderson does too. Um, I'm pretty sure. So th- that was a nice beat. So that scene out of this Arrakis pre invasion uh, invasion was probably my favorite. Yeah, I I like how spitting is a sign of like respect for them because they need so much water that even just like letting a little bit go is like respect. The way he just cool. walked in that room with uh, so yeah, like I was the like eyes, the yeah. suave. I mean, the he's sweater. great. He's great. He was he may be my favorite Bond villain um, in Skyfall. So I've always loved him, and I think he's great to add to these blockbuster films, because like Charlotte Rampling, he brings a lot of gravitas, and he's something I'm, he's a character I'm very much looking forward to exploring more in Dune Part 2, or 2, as it might be called. I think he'll have a much bigger role in that. He is one of the few Spaniards that I enjoy, so that's, that's big for me. I mean, unless he dies in the first 10 minutes, which, I mean, Dune... Oh, God. Apparently that's going to happen. Everybody can die. It's a thing! Yeah, it's not the same level as Game of Thrones, but I feel like it gets close. It's like anybody can die except Rebecca Ferguson. God willing. Except <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson. Maybe. That's who knows? That's, who knows? Um, then before we get into the invasion, just quickly, we can talk about the spice mining scene with the whole worm incident. I thought this was a re- really the first action scene, per se, of the movie, besides the training, I guess. Um, I thought this was really, really cool, especially on the big screen, like the way the sand... Like with so many scenes in this movie, it's about the tension and it's like given specifically like a time limit, like, oh, it's going to arrive in like five minutes and then four minutes and three minutes. And um, yeah, I thought it was a really well done scene. And we don't get to see the worm just yet, but I like how he held that back until the very end. You can tell it's a huge, big threat. So any thoughts here? What do we think of this scene? Um, This was the scene where I really started to love the movie because the, I guess I just love tension, but I love this entire scene from where they were exploring the desert to all the way when Paul has another vision. Because even before they realize that, you know, the worm is closed or waiting on the ship and we're, oh, the ship broke or something, I just could feel you can feel like something's going to happen even the way you're listening to the the radio oh three minutes two minutes um they're counting down i loved maybe i should have a breakdown of this scene too i want to break down of everything because yeah. i love the i love how it started and then you get the ship it's like oh no it'll be okay two minutes is that the warmer is really far away it won't be bad but then it breaks and that also is um um the ship breaking is also something they mentioned before when they're thinking they're being sabotaged, um, yeah, which yeah. they clearly are. But um, and then I love, I love the determination to save everyone on the crawler, and I love how um, 
love everything. I love how Paul, he is still exploring the area, even though it's so dumb. But he, and you have that moment of silence and you see the spice in the air. I love that too. Oh my gosh, I love seeing the spice. Every time I saw the spice, yeah. whether it was in his, in his hand or in the air with little spectacles, I loved it so much. And after Paul has his vision and he's uh, kneeling on the ground, he says, um, I can, I can recognize your footsteps, old man. And then you see his, uh, what's his name? Gurney? Yeah, Gurney. You see his hand on the shoulder. And had, I don't know why I jumped in my seat because I just caught on to what he said. And all of a sudden he's there. It, I it's because the they back. cut the shot in between of him actually going up. It was yeah. just boom. Right. I love the entire way this, everything in the scene was shot from beginning to end. It was so, it was so fantastic to me. That's why I started love the movie. Yeah. It's incredibly well edited, the mm -hmm. whole movie. Yeah, this sequence, Villeneuve, I feel like you could see influences of Hitchcock here, of Spielberg with Jaws, and a lot of his other more suspenseful works. Like, he builds up, even this is just a sequence, I know we don't get a full look at it, but he builds up that sandworm so well. And like, the way that the thing explodes and it's like, well, we can only fit six and we're going to try our best to get all 21. Like it was really well done. And then we get the vision. This is where we get the vision of Timmy and the suit fighting, right? Am I wrong? This is, I think that's the first time we see it. Maybe. I think we see it a few times, but I think that's the vision. Do you I want know. me to check? <laughs> um, Later. Want, um, sure. I know, I know he has a vision, I believe. I, I, I mean, that's why he, he does. It. Yeah. Yeah. It does, so, yeah. Again, I just thought there were so many moving parts here, but again, it feels, you're right, I think whoever, I think it was Jack. This is like the first big action thing. And the fact yeah. that it shows great control that Villeneuve doesn't feel the need to put in like contrived action things to keep it going. Like he trusts his pace, uh, but then he knows how to use the sequence well. And again, this movie kind of feels like it's, it, it's funny because you know, it's, a two-parter but this film itself feels like it's in two halves set up and pay off and here is where it's like literally like you are on the movie never lets up after this moment and he just has again the control the energy the suspense it's all here and there are stakes which i think were really well done and oscar isaac i think really showed how good i really when he then dies I really felt that we were, you know, his presence will be lost because he shows here how good of a strategical leader he is and that he cares about his people. Um, and that's more important than the spice. Uh, after we just set up that the spice was the only reason he's there. So I love the scene. This is probably maybe my second favorite sequence after or scene after the Oscar Isaac, uh, Timothy Chalamet conversation at the beginning. I think Oscar Isaac is in more of these scenes than I thought. So maybe he is one of my favorite people. Um, so yeah, love, love, love this scene. Yeah, really good scene. Anything else or shall we get into the invasion? Let's get into the invasion. Okay, invasion. so I don't know how much I really need to recap here, but pretty much Dr. Yue, I believe um, is his name. Um, he betrays the Atreides um, and the Harkonnens are able to attack uh he i believe in like cripples or like incap incapacitates um duke leto uh all of them are all of the harkonnens are invading killing people gurney is fighting down by the ships timmy and rebecca get kidnapped but yeah oh it's a longer scene but it's um 
yeah, pretty much the whole invasion part. What do we think of that? Um, it's hard to break down this scene because, man, everything happened so quickly. Um, mm -hmm. I guess the, for me, the notable scenes was when, um, when Paul and Lady Jessica were kidnapped and they um, finally used the voice to its full capacity in the, um, yeah. in the ship. And then I really loved when Duncan got away, also because I was just hoping he wouldn't die, even though he dies later. But when he got away and he uh, flew the ship and he was avoiding the laser. Again, I barely ate my nachos. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I think mean, I actually had a chip in my hand. I was about to eat it. But I'm like, oh my God, Duncan, you have to make it out of here. <laughs> but, um, and then when um, Oscar Isaac, because um, I thought, I thought he was going to make it out of there. I don't know why I thought that. I don't know why I had... It's because he's Oscar heart, Isaac. Right? Well, <laughs> I don't... Yeah. the last time we thought he died in a big movie like this, he comes back in The Force Awakens. And it's yeah. like, no, come back, Oscar Isaac. And then Palpatine somehow returned. Some <laughs> Maybe that'll be the beginning of... Duke, Duke Leto has two. returned. Somehow <laughs> Duke Leto Atreides has returned. <laughs> No, That'd be I, great if he was the person. Oh my God! Can you imagine that line? That'd be so that would be funny. Oh no! He should just say himself as Duke Leto when oh he walks God. in. It's great. He walks in on and speaks in the third person. Somehow Duke oh, Leto has returned. Right. Somehow, somewhere. I think I barely ate my nachos. Should be the tagline review for this movie. Yes, right. Honestly. Yes. What was your for what if? That was so good. What? We, I don't watch what if. It was there was a tagline from our what if review that Destiny gave that was just as oh, good. I forgot. Oh, oh no. it's because I worked, worked out now. during Doctor Strange. Oh, it made it made yeah. me stop my workout. Oh, yeah, yeah. put down my nachos. We gotta keep a list. <laughs> Honestly, I need to stop trying to. I guess I didn't realize how tense this movie was gonna be. I shouldn't have gotten. Maybe I just got canteen. Not a whole thing. They give you a lot of nachos, by the way. If you are a nacho person, I don't know. But. <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, what do you? Yes. What do you think? Two things. One, um, we found out from pictures that there was a scene cut between um, Doctor Yue and Lady Jessica about when Doctor Yue is talking about his wife. Um, so, like that shouldn't have been cut because then all of a sudden, when we see him, and the man needed more scenes anyway, all of a sudden when we see him again, when um, he incapacitates uh duke leto um he was like i'm doing this for my wife juana and i was like ah that's new information it's like i feel like he explains himself well enough in the scene he does but i feel like you know should, i feel like we should have gotten some more of him i because the only other time that we see him it was like um when he's checking preparing out timmy preparing timmy the gum for the gum jabbar and then when he's like um, also checking out Timmy um, uh, after the spice harvesting scene. Yes. This is apparently sensitive. No, on spice. that note, I feel, because this was, I think the sequence is very well done, but there was a part of me that I was like... Something's missing? Something, I, I just felt like this could have ha been set up, I think, more efficiently. Because <laughs> I felt like I didn't, I still don't know after two viewings, why was House Atreides targeted? Why was the Emperor not like House Atreides? 
And I feel like, I don't know if they're trying to do a similar thing that the original Star Wars trilogy did, which is we're mentioning the Emperor, but we're not going to show the Emperor. We're like a Snowpiercer type thing where we're going to mention the guy at the end of the train, but we're not going to tell you who he is. But to me then, I'm like, well, I'm watching all these characters that you just spent the first hour and probably 15 minutes, hour and a half setting up. And then you're going to kill everything. You're going to, we're pro like, you're going to kill like this location now is now basically killed. And I'm like, that's all fine, but I would have liked to have known why. Because again, Oscar Isaac seemed like a good leader. He see, I mean, he was there what a day? Did the did the like maybe? Yeah, it was like there were two days into it. Like it was, it was not like he was bad at collecting spice, and that's why this happened. It was obviously a targeted thing, especially with the Benny Gesserit. So I was like, I wished I knew more of why he wasn't like. Like maybe it was a Hank Pym and Ant Man type of situation where he just pissed a lot of people over, even though he seems warm and nice to the, his own people again i just that was something i feel was lacking from the film and when i watched the sequence it did feel like we were playing catch-up and i was like wait a second dave bautista's here everybody wait what and um it just may be that you know this was one of the scenes like <coughs> that got cut and that they just for theatrical release they had to cut something if there's a Dune extended edition, maybe this will be a sizable chunk. I would totally be for it in the same way that the Lord of the Rings extended editions enhance the theatrical cut. But as it is now, great sequence, but I was missing a little bit of the setup. I think, I, the, oh. I, I think there's a scene where the Baron says, That's the Atreides it, yeah. voice is rising. I think he sees them as a threat clearly, um, potentially to like take his place or challenge him for the throne. So he pulls, he's sided with the Harkonnens because they're more loyal uh, probably to him. He takes them out of Arrakis so he can put the Atreides in an environment where they're more vulnerable and then attack them and pretty much get rid of the but family. It, it was, but the fact is that it's the Harkonnens have an alliance with the Emperor, correct? It's, yeah. it's yeah. the Baron is the Vader to the Emperor's Emperor. Yeah. Yes. That was, I just, I wish maybe there had been a clear, like I didn't, like, Maybe they you do a scene like Empire where you see Vader talking to the Emperor and it's like this like they like they mention him and they show glimpses but you don't really get a sense of him just so I get more of a sense of the connection between them because again you're killing Oscar Isaac you're killing maybe Josh uh, Brolin but you're killing like basically all of House Atreides except for like two people like I wish I just knew a little bit more of why that was happening rather than just I don't like you. <laughs> uh, yeah. for, for something so dense and so in depth that fell a little thin to me, which is why it stood out to me more because Dune, as a whole, was so in depth and so in detail. Yeah, I feel like sometimes even little things though can cause such tragedies. Like the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones was because this guy didn't want to marry any of this woman's children. It wasn't some huge yeah. war or anything. True, but maybe the pacing of a television show that built allowed yeah, them to breathe more. Like, That's true. That, that, it is interesting to think, I know a lot of people were saying like, what if Dune was a television show? And I'm, you know, listen, it looked amazing on screen, but Game of Thrones was a major show that I think still was as cinematic as television could be. The story is the story. So I, listen, if they do release an extended edition to HBO Max, I'll take it because I think, uh, that's what I loved about this. I want more. I'm interested in this world. I think what Villeneuve creates is really impressive, and I want more. No, that's yeah. not your expression. What do you What do you say, Anthony? Keep going. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Keep on going. It's. I, I like that point of view because that's not how I took it. 
usually when an action scene starts, I start to tune out going, oh, here's your gratuitous action scene. But I like that they were caught off guard and, you know, Josh Brolin's parents are like, quick, get to the guns. And they were clearly losing. I was like, oh, they're not going to just rally and it's going to work out. So I thought they were subverting expectations by being like, oh, we're going to show you how badly they lose. So I, that's part of the whole, this is so refreshing. I'm like, they didn't do the tired old, they, they found that one ship with the really big gun and they took care of it, you know. So maybe I was too busy looking at that. But as you've been talking, I was like, yeah, you're right. Maybe that's why I got confused about who was whom. <laughs> maybe the concept you bring something interesting up. And I do think the caught off guard angle of this is really interesting maybe not show the Baron until this scene when he and Oscar Isaac are talking. Maybe you set, you hear murmurs like House Harkonnen is upset that they've been taken off of uh, um, the planet. Like, and then maybe this is where you explore him. Because again, I feel like if you're gonna introduce him before the attack, then I need, I felt like I needed then more motivation for him. But if you want to go with the caught off guard thing, which I think definitely is here, then I would have held back on introducing until now. Because, I mean, what, it was like two minutes of screen time before this? I feel like you could have done something similarly to what you did earlier if you introduced him here after the attack. There was also a scene with the Baron and David Dasmalchian um, and the Reverend Mother yeah. where they were talking right. about um, the spider dog. <laughs> yeah, the spider dog. Someone was like, why was that there? Um, A, Denis Villeneuve hates spiders. B, someone said that that could have been um, the wife, the wife yeah. of Juana. Awesome. And I was like, oh, that's good. Um, but yeah. Good theory, yeah. Yeah. Um, wait, can I actually like talk about my second favorite scene from the invasion? Yeah, go ahead. Which was, I think, also Destiny's favorite scene which was um, when um, Paul and Jessica were kidnapped. And then, yeah, you see, I know you. <laughs> Paul and Jessica were kidnapped. And um, I did talk about this earlier when she uses the voice. Uh, that scene was so good. Cause like you can see, you can see the, the um, mother son relationship right there, even when they can't speak, even when she can't speak and they're signing and everything. But like, Jessica was like, don't fucking do it. You're, it's not going to work out. <laughs> you, don't do it. You're, it's not going to work out. And um, he was like, I'm going to do it. Because he's a little 15-year-old shit. Um, he's, he's a terrible kid. He's a really irritating kid. Um, but that's the point of the character. Um, but that scene was probably my favorite. Because you can see how much he's trying and failing and then when it finally works is when his life is on the line. And then boom, Jessica shows up and she does the voice in all of its glory and it was great, but it was so short and I want more of when she uses the voice. But mm -hmm. yeah, that was really good. Hopefully in part two. Hopefully I like how, how confused two. the guys looked too after mm -hmm. they like killed their friend. They were like, what They're did like, I just oh. do? Yeah. The burning palm trees, too, were a great visual here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was so sad since earlier they talked about how they're sacred and stuff. So when I saw that, I was like, no, not the trees. Not the palm trees. <laughs> the like the that. people, the, the Josh Brolin's army is fine, but the trees. But the trees. <laughs> but I like that earlier scene when um, Paul was talking to, who was he? Was it just the ground? It was just a guy. Was, okay, yeah. yeah. So it was just the person taking care of the trees. Accurate. And he was explaining how much water they need 
And it was so funny because when he explained that they each need like a uh, amount of water to five men or something, even in my head, I'm like, okay, that's a waste of water. And then suddenly <laughs> Paul's like, why would you use that water? <laughs> I don't know why. Um, sometimes Paul is, Paul is struggling, but sometimes I agree with how he thinks in this situation, like um, how he feels about um, Arrakis. And then, I don't know why I, I like that small moment of him questioning, should we be using this just for how it looks. Yeah, that is a good moment. Yeah. Makes you realize just how um, the sacred water is on this planet. Um, okay, so after the invasion, uh, let's see, pretty much Je Lady Jessica and Paul escape the ship. Uh, Duke Leto dies, he uses his poison tooth and um, kills Tennessee. everyone in the room besides the Baron. The Baron. Then Lady Jessica and Paul meet up with, um, what's her you name? You missed the tent scene. The tent scene the tent was one scene. of the best parts. The tent scene, that's true. I'm trying to remember the tent scene. And um, Paul and Jessica meet up with Duncan and um, Dr. Liette Kynes. And then the Harkonnen invade and um, Duncan dies. Wait, they weren't Harkonnen. They or were, the, what, the we Sardaukar. saw something. Sardaukar army. Sardaukar. Yeah, something and, like yeah. that. But they were Sardaukar. under. The they band. were yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. For this, for, yes. For, you know. mm -hmm. Yeah. So what do we think there? Any? Obviously, the tent scene, like you the said. tent scene. That was a really good that acting was moment. Really good, and you get to finally have Paul like actually use the voice. Because yeah. before it was just like do the voice gotta practice and then it was like when his life was on the line and work but like this one it was like it was like legitimate it was like i can do this now <laughs> um but then he was screaming at his mother and that's mean don't scream at your parents um <laughs> but, he's had a rough day he's had a really bad day <laughs> his dad died his dad died yeah um and now he's a duke um that scene was really good. Everyone, everyone, by everyone, I mean, quite literally just Rebecca and Timmy, they brought their A-game to that. That was all the emotion, all the tears. Um, the, the Timmy drooled a little bit. That was kind of unsettling. Did. Didn't, didn't appreciate that at all. But the visions in that were really good. I think that was when it was um, when he sees into the future and he sees himself fighting. Yeah, I think it's um, And that was good. And he was like, the world is engulfed in a never-ending war and it'll be something something fire forever yada yada that was good he just was crazed for a little bit you could just see the power that this kid doesn't understand that he really has just yet but you can see glimpses of that in the vision and how he's reacting to it re reacting to it in that time mm -hmm. i thought the duke's death was a cool scene too i thought he went out he went out like a hero, even though I thought he killed the Baron, but sadly he didn't. Yeah, because his shield is on his ring. Yeah, I don't know the shield protected you from poison. Yeah, because when the bit. poison was emitted into the air, the shield still turned red, so it yeah, still hurt yeah. him, It didn't breach it completely. Yeah. He just was sicky-poo for a little bit. Yeah. And then when they found him hanging on the ceiling, too. Oh, that was oh, disgusting. It yeah. <laughs> freaked me out so much. It's like yeah. when you suddenly look up and you see a spider. You're like, ah! Yeah. Literally! Yeah. That oh. scared me. Gross. That was so creepy. Good. And like how yeah. everyone, everyone, uh, the two people that were like goth versions of the the guys from Monsters, Inc. Yes. Um, and they were like, what the hell is that? 
Yeah. <laughs> it was great. I love the bear, it. The Baron needed a life alert. Uh, I've fallen and I can't, can't get out. Get out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really love the intercutting between the uh, Duke igniting the poison and Paul finding the ring, yeah. knowing what happened to his father and the fate of his father. I thought that was really well done. Um, and again, the tense scene, I felt bad because I was going to say, this is what happens when you get Oscar nominees in your movie. But I reminded her, Rebecca Ferguson is not yet. Rebecca has nothing. Not she, has a, she has a Golden Globe nomination for the White Queen and that's it. So I think it should, I think what's really great is that I feel like her and Katherine Hahn are two actors who I feel like have been working, but really blew up in terms of popularity and success later in their career. I mean, they're not later in their career, but as, for, as far as Hollywood goes, they're mm -hmm. above 40, which means they're later in their career. No, Rebecca's 37, I think. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, that's right. I saw that she was actually one of the few times that, like, an actress Accurate. was at the Royal yeah. Anyway, she's around that time. She's obviously not an ingenue, and the fact that she's getting this acclaim, I think, is great for her. But I'm hopeful that one day she will get nominated. Hell, maybe for this she will. Who knows? Let's see how much the Academy loves this movie. Um, but the ten scene was great, and then I loved when Duncan Idaho finds them and says, my Duke, and he gets on one knee, and you can see Paul, I think Paul looks at Rebecca Ferguson, looks at Jessica, and like, it really hits him. That, you know, he's, it's kind of like the opposite of what Oscar Isaac said at the beginning, because he's been forced into this, but I think what the rest of the movie is about is him actually accepting the call, kind of like a Sam is given the shield, but then takes time to actually feel that he's earned it type of situation, which is why I think the ending is- um, Marvel boy. That's why the ending keeps like that, not when the movie ends, it keeps going, because he has to still accept the call, which he, I think he does. And I, I feel like most people probably think he does by the end of the movie. Yeah. I feel like that's when the audience kind of first realized it too. Like that's when I realized like after all the chaos, you kind of forget about it. And then you're like, oh wait, he's the leader of this family now. I completely forgot yeah. about that. I also thought it was sad that Duke Leo died thinking that um, his entire family was dead, but at least he he um, went out like a good guy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So sad. Yes. Now, um, Duncan's death, pretty much. Duncan, he fights protecting Paul and Jessica. The doctor um, gives them a ship and she escapes and she also dies Summoning the sandworm. She did not like need to die. Mrs. Blonde reviewer lady kind of ruined a little bit of this for me because she was like, in the end, you know, all the people of color sacrificed themselves for Tim. And I'm like, oh, she well, that's that? a person. In the They're probably going to die. Yeah, she did. Oh, my God. And I was God. like, oh, so that's a person of color. They're probably going to die. Oh, that's a person of color. They're probably, and she was right. But I feel like I knew who was going to die, which stinks. But what did you I guys think, think of these two big deaths? Die, I really didn't. I didn't mm. think she needed to die. Um, I wanted her to ride a sandworm. Yeah, she would have deserved right. it. Instead I of mean, random Fremen guy. The way she went, I like the way she went out, even though where she was pounding the sand and everything. But when I realized that she was stabbed, I, I had thought, I'm like, yeah. how do you not hear? In the middle of nowhere. <laughs> this is your land. How do you not hear people? You're literally a friend. You know the environment. You know the environment. Oh my god, I was so mad because I loved her so much. And even though I kind of knew, I mean, at that point I wasn't sure if everything in Paul's visions come true all the time, or they just are forewarnings and they can be preventable. So I was still hoping that Duncan would 
make it out of there somehow. But even just the way that he went, he heard the noises, he closed the door and Paul, of course, tries to run after him, but it's locked from the from the other side. And then there's a small moment where you think he's already dead, and he rises up again. That, that was, was crazy. That was cool. That man was totally <laughs> stabbed. Right. You can see the knife coming out of his back, and he, he was like, "I live." Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> that was... Last minute rush. The funniest yeah. thing to me was, even though it was such a dramatic moment in my head, I'm like, "Why did you do a war cry? You gonna surprise more people?" <laughs> Oh my god, it's like an avatar when Sokka's like, sneak attack! <laughs> That's, sneak attacks don't work if you yell out sneak attack. Right, yeah. he's never gonna learn. He never learned. But I was, I don't, I was still sad. Oh man, Duncan, because I really like Duncan. I was surprised how much I connected with his character. Yeah, he was probably the saddest death for me. Yeah. I, I, I also did like when Dr. Kynes was killed. The it, I think it was water. It was like that. Yeah. Of blood, blood. yeah. Blood. I thought that was a really cool visual um, that, again, showed I, I, the movie throughout is like it getting us, like, oh, here we here come the Fremen. Here we go. Here's a little bit more. Here's a little bit more. And then the ending. So I, th- I thought that was a nice touch to, again, show how distinct they are. And that's, I'm interested because I feel like Dune Part 2 is going to feel very different given that the Fremen are such different characters then. Mm-hmm the House of Trades as a whole. And so I'm interested, like, will these films be very distinct? Like, Lord of the Rings, all three movies feel like, okay, this is just a one, like, nine-hour movie cut in three. But Doom Part 2, I feel like, could potentially be a very different film than Doom Part 1, which I... More orange. More orange. (laughs) Who knows? Well, they're going back to Caladan, so, I mean, that's something we do know. Hopefully more rain. Let's go rain. Water. Um, yeah, don't, don't watch Dune if you don't have a bottle of water. Yes, like I did yesterday, and I'm oh, yeah. regretting the decision because you're watching sand, and they always drink, and I'm like, oh, that'd God. be good right about now. Mm-hmm. Um, I I liked how the callback with um, Doctor Liet Kynes when the sandworm first showed up, and she was giving out her little speech of like, "This is my master. That's the only." that's the only one I serve and it was like bless bless him and his water yada 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 I can't remember it but that and then um at the end when she's dying and the emperor people's soldiers it was like you betrayed the emperor why and he was and she was like I only serve one master and then she ooh, I, I I still have it open so I feel the need to just the same word that they always use Yes. We haven't talked about the production design yet. Yeah. I, I loved it. Like when they were in the tent, <clears throat> I was just like, where are they? And, and when he suddenly sticks his hand and it, it comes out of sand, I was not expecting that. I was expecting yeah. a tent. And, and then when Duncan seals them in there and then there's like a secret passageway and they're going down the, that tunnel, I was like, wow. The passageway that had dramatic timing to close after Timmy got in. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Shy. Lud. That's the name that they have for the worm. Um, and then when she stand, oh, it was it was really good. It also set up the thumper for later. Yes, the thumper. The thumper. The thumper. Um, so yeah, then pretty much Jessica and Paul, they have their whole flying escape sequence in the sandstorm, which was cool. They land, they get dressed they crash. up. In- 
They crash. That's true. They crash. They get dressed up in their Fremen suits. They run. And then they, I forget what type of sand they said. It was like setup sand that made noise pretty much. Drum sand. Yes. And, um. Isn't it so good I have it open? <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, the sandworm finally makes his first appearance. Big boy. Which I wish they didn't show in the trailer, to be honest, since it was so yeah. built up too. But. That was the, yes. Yeah. Don't watch trailers, everyone. I still haven't seen the No Way Home trailer. I'm trying to get wow. time they show it. I'm wow. Like, That's an accomplishment. Like a That's down. impressive. Yeah, I, I, I've heard it, um, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I was talking, I was just, you know, about the film in general, like the fact that the poster is just like, you know, the floating heads type of thing. But I'm like, listen, if it gets people in the, in the theater to see it, because they see all these people. It's, it's floating heads, but then you walk out and you point at everyone who died. Yeah. Most the letterbox poster is, I think, a beautiful poster. It's, it's it is. like shadows and dudes. Like that, that. Kind of like the book. Yes. Um, show so yeah. us the book, Anthony. Show us the book. The book. Yeah. Ah. Orange sand. Lovely. And the two moons. Two moons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what? any other thoughts on the escape scene or the sandworm scene? I like that earlier that they show uh, Paul, like he, he's so anxious to get there. And he, so he's learning everything he can about the world and the people so that he, he's not a Gary Sue, like, oh, this is how we have to cross so that we don't attract, you know, I'm glad that they did that early on. So it's like, see, we, we watch him studying. Yeah. So that, that was a nice thing to do early. So that when it happened, you're not like, We're, this is out of the clear blue. Um, that helicopter in the store, I was like, <gasps> Like the whole time, you know, especially since like one by one the blades break off. Yeah. They didn't just crash. It was a very slow crash. I was like, oh my god, you know, it's good stuff. Very tense. I also liked how Paul had his Luke Skywalker, even though Luke Skywalker probably took this from Paul. His scene of like he saw the vision, it's like let go, and he like turned off all the controls and just listened to his heart, like mm-hmm. Luke did in the first Star Wars. So thought that was cool. Yeah. Which, I mean, a credit to Timothy Chalamet, following Mark Hamill is no easy task, but I feel like he does it, he takes it in stride, he makes it his own. I, I think, I think he, I think this could be for Timothy what maybe, Dica- what Titanic was to DiCaprio on a different scale, of course, because everything, people don't see everything like they did in the past, like it's such a wider market. So I think things could go very well for him. This, I think, will become his, like, his, his role that people know him from. Um, yeah. Just, uh, one thing, though, when they were getting changed, uh, Rebecca Ferguson and Timothy Chalamet, and they kept looking behind at each other, did anybody get any, uh, like, weird vibes? The, I was like, what's going on here? Oh, like, very oh, Evidence Rex. Oh, yeah. Very, yeah, very a little bit of incest every now and then. I think oh, yeah. she didn't know how to put the costume on, and he did, yeah. so she was, like, looking at him, but then she realized he already like had undressed so she was like oh okay they reminded me of la la land when the two of them are walking away from the cafe and they each look at each other at different times it's like yeah or like succession if you're watching succession there was apparently this cut thing where two of the characters looked at each other when the other one wasn't looking and because of that they then wrote this whole subplot about the two of them in a relationship and i'm like maybe i'm just poisoned by that but i'm like please don't tell me that Rebecca Ferguson and Timothy Chalamet are ending this in a relationship because I swear to God. I, I mean, don't think we're getting, I don't think we're no. getting Oedipus Rex. We're not Rex. going that Game of Thrones. No. 
Yeah. <laughs> no incest in this house. Thank you very much. Eddie, like an Oedipus Rex type play in my high school. It was, yeah, it was a very, it was, it was Oedipus Rex, but reimagined as uh, Oedipus's mother being a Jewish mother. Um, it was a, it was a very funny play. It was called Eddie. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I, again, maybe that's my own thing looking at this, but the way they two, the way that two, also because Rebecca Ferguson is not that old. So, there's only like a 12 year difference. There's, yeah, there's like a 12 year difference between them. Yeah, yeah, so that's the other thing. It's like, they're kind of contemporaries. Um, there's as much of a difference, if not more, between her and Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. So, true. I don't know. Um, it was a weird scene. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> but they do look related. Like, I totally believe that they're brother and son. They look, it's the, it's the cheekbones. The only yeah. thing that Timmy got from Oscar was the hair. That's it. <laughs> Everything yeah. else is Rebecca. True, true, true. So then pretty much for this last stretch of the film, they meet the Fremen. Uh, the Fremen underestimate Lady Jessica, then she beats them up. A weirding woman, Javier Bardem yeah. calls him. Uh, and then uh, I believe his name is Jamis, challenges um, mm-hmm. Paul to a duel. And they fight. Another... Sorry. I know it's okay. Another person of color who dies. Um, and yeah, Timmy pretty much doesn't want to kill him, but he has to. It's the first man he's ever killed. I liked how um, the visions here like show Jamis as like being a mentor in his future who would teach him things, but he ended up killing him. Which yeah, that's why I thought that he wasn't going to die. He kind, which he kind of was teaching him the way of the deserts by learning he had to kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. I mean, I- they I like it so it doesn't have like this whole thing of like there's free will still with these visions, which is my whole thing. It's like if you have visions or like as somebody who knows everything, it's like, well then what's the point? You know, our characters don't have agency. So I like that the visions shown that it's not always truthful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True, um, true. during this, well, before we get to the duel, during the sequence when um Paul he was I don't know what was okay. For a second, he was fighting someone, and he rolled on top of rock. He was fighting someone else. He rolled on top of another rock. He got and higher he and higher, <laughs> he and they got a space gun. gun. Yeah, like a space gun. And the entire I like that again. Another tense sequence. But then after that, that's when Zendaya's Chani, I pronounce her name, oh, yeah. when she shows up. I loved the way she showed up. I know it just a few seconds, but even what she said, um, where she said, I wouldn't have let you hurt my friends. I'm like, wait, I, I like you already. Even though I've only seen you in visions. I think that was a great way to introduce her. She, she was just there that whole time that Paul thought he had the upper hand literally and figuratively. I, I like that. I'm on the high ground. <laughs> he really got there so And he was not. Follow. Yeah. He had like a pounce thing. Like I feel like when he was fighting Gurney in the beginning, he would like pounce forward like a cat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's why he's so skinny. That's why. Um, I didn't think that Jamis was gonna die. Because again, the visions, and it was so disappointing. Because mm-hmm. he was like mentor. But and again, it also crazy. was a good um expectation subversion because we all thought that Jamis was gonna be the one to hand him the Chris knife, but it was it was Chani. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting also that she gave him the knife to give him honor because, but he, she was so sure that he was, she was like, gonna You're die. gonna <laughs> die. Like, I'm like, Okay, we're gonna get your water, kid. I know he's an outsider, but oh my gosh, but at least you gave him the knife. At least yeah. there's that. Little do you know, he's the protagonist of the movie. 
Oh, another thing that I also liked about the way that the visions were kind of interconnected with the um, fight was how the the dialogue that was over it was like Paul Atreides needs to die so then whatever Harak um, can live can be born and then it was like ah you can see it because then he kills a man and the line before it was like if you kill when you kill a man when you when you have your first kill you were also killing yourself so it was like very good very well written I don't know if that was in the book but like yes I like it yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah pretty, I feel um, like we saw all of Zendaya's scenes in the trailer. So we did. All the Zendaya they knew what they were doing with that they, one. Yeah. Baited. That was yeah, literally why my friend wanted to go. She was like, I'm watching this movie for Zendaya. And I was like, you know, she's in there for 10 minutes. And she was like, I'm watching it for Zendaya. Yeah. Beginning and end. Yeah. That's all. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, they've done, this has happened in the past where they cast a big actor and they're barely in the first installment. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it feels like it feels like very good setup for the next one because the next one I think is going to be more focused on Chani. Yeah, because this one was really mm-hmm. Jessica based. Yeah, for the female leads. Um, not that there only needs to be one female lead. Because uh, yeah. yeah. I I'm hoping Rebecca still has a big. I feel like she should now. That I mean, she's going to be pregnant, so she'll be she'll she'll get some stuff to do. Yeah. Um. I, oh. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> We're having our own vision. Yeah. <laughs> no clue. Okay. Um, I will say in terms of this sequence, I, I loved Javier Bardem. Uh, I liked what uh, seeing him again. I thought that the way they revealed Zendaya, I thought was really powerful because, you know, you're getting these visions of her throughout the entire movie. And when she finally arrives, like I thought Vill- Villeneuve captured that really well. I was kind of mixed on this duel thing because I felt it was a little anticlimactic. I feel like after the bombast of the past two hours, the fact that it was this like little duel, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, I did, it felt like it, okay. I feel like, again, this is what I'm comfortable with in terms of making an analogy, so go with me here. The way Dune ends reminds me of the first Iron Man where you have the Jeff Bridges fight and I don't remember anything from that movie. All right, so Bridges is in the big suit and they're fighting and you're kind of like, okay, this is a this is a fight at the end of the movie. Okay, it, it works, but it's it's not like the coolest thing. But then I am Iron Man happens and it ends on such a high point that you kind of like forget that. And that's how I felt Dune ends because mm-hmm. the ending, riding the sandworms, this is just the beginning. Hans Zimmer swells leading up to that cut to black is so good. It may be like the best part of the movie is just how he finishes this off that it kind of, you know, it makes me excuse the fact that I found the duel a little anticlimactic because if the whole thing was like, he didn't want to take a life, like that was the thing that Rebecca Ferguson said. I was like, I wish they'd maybe set that up a little bit more because yeah. it, I don't know something about this fact. Cause also like the fact that it's like, I challenge you for some reason. And then a scene later we're doing it. It's like, it felt a little rushed to me. It kind of, yeah. It, it, it felt kind of similar to in the first Hobbit when you do the Gollum scene and like you're coming off the Gollum scene and then you're like, wait a second, we have another, like we still have a third act to go. Like there's still more, like we have to- More this- movie. There's more movie. And I'm like, I don't know. Or maybe like the Hunger Games when in Mockingjay part one, Katniss gets choked out by PETA and then it cuts to black and then it keeps going. And you're like, wait a second, we're not, we're gonna still try to 
put a little bit more in here, but rush it to like, I don't know. The, uh, the jewel I felt was nice and I like how it kind of capped Timothy's arc in this film, but it did, it, it felt a little anticlimactic to me, but, I, but it was still fine, I guess. Yeah, that's why I liked it because it was a good cap to his overall arc in the film. And I felt like it was more intimate than a um, like huge bombastic like finale would have been. So I liked it. And then you're right. It would have felt like we just. It would have felt like, okay, give me a break. It it definitely was a breather. It definitely brought things down again before the crescendo of the ending. So you're right. To that point, it does work. Maybe it was just a little disarming for me. Like it was. was, It did happen quick. Like, and I do. I do think they should have established much earlier in the film. Like maybe when he's training with Gurney. Like you've never killed a man Mm -hmm. before. The only thing that we got from that conversation was you've never met a Harkonnen. Not you've never killed a man. I think they would have been much more intense if they knew that going into it rather than having Lady Jessica say it and then like 10 seconds later he kills him. It's kind of like, oh, okay. Or maybe, I think, just, Natalia, you go. I think the thing that also didn't help it was the fact that we saw um, a vision clip of Paul dying in that fight. Um, if we had just seen him die with like a stab wound and then cut to the bleeding hand that would have been good and not like an actual motion of a fight yeah. mm-hmm. i feel like maybe like if you've seen the last jedi which i feel like many people have there's a shot when ray is training by herself on the island that is the exact same movement that kylo ren when he's fighting luke does like the ex- you can line them up he they do the exact same motions and i feel like maybe if when he was practicing with gurney it was the same motions as when he's fighting at the end, then maybe there would have been a little bit more connection and I would have felt that it maybe like it was a little bit more supported. It just didn't feel as supported as I was expecting the ending of the movie to have. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I see that, yeah. And then pretty much the overall ending, they see someone riding worms and they walk into the future. It's only just the beginning, mm-hmm. as Zendaya says. I think, yeah, everyone's, I don't, the a big complaint I see a lot with this film is, oh, it's like, it's a part one and it's not a complete story. I feel like this tells a complete story. I feel like this mm-hmm. is about Paul's journey and what happens to him. And I think it's very complete by the end. I mean, there's more story to tell, but I still think it's very completed by the end. I mean, people didn't say that stuff about like Infinity War or like, I don't know, like the first Lord of the Rings. So I don't know why it's such a big deal for this one. So I liked the ending. Yeah, there's another thing with that. <clears throat> right when it opens, it says Dune, part one. It doesn't do the thing yeah. that it does. It waited until the end and it said, it, chapter one. Because when I went and saw it, there were people in my audience who were like, chapter one. But they like screamed that. They were so mad. <clears throat> I didn't care because I knew the story. <clears throat> but since I didn't know this story right away, like I knew there was two parts because of our chat. But if Let's say I, I just went and watched this. I didn't know you guys and I went and saw it. I would have been like, thank you for telling me right out of the gate that there's going to be more. So when it does end abruptly, because I do think the ending is abrupt. Um, yeah. But I, I feel like it. the more I thought about the movie, I was like, well, I don't know how to do it better. So I don't really want to criticize it. I'm like, oh, it's so abrupt. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, what would you do? I'd be like, I don't know if what I would do is better. So. Yeah. Constance, it's it's funny. I feel like, I mean, the Zendaya line, this is just the beginning, may as well be it, chapter one. Like, this is just the beginning. Get it? Come back for more, people. <laughs> um, 
but personally, because I was thinking about like, how much do I take in person that this is not the ending of the story? How finite is this? And I look at it, well, if we never got Doom Part 2, let's say Warner Brothers was being their usual selves, which I don't think they're going to be with this case, which is what great. First. Yeah. Uh, but let's say we never got Doom Part 2. I don't know. I feel like I would have the same little quibbles I had with the Snyder Cut, which was like, this is such an interesting thing. Keep going. But if you're not going to keep going, then I have an incomplete story. Because I feel like with Fellowship, you had the Boromir arc with Sean Bean, Infinity War, Thanos is the main character. In Endgame, that's not the case. So those movies felt more contained than this one did. I feel like this one has a complete arc for Timmy that is going to keep going. But as for themes of this film alone, I don't know if I can say that it does. I feel like this has set up for themes that will get paid off in the next one. But I don't think this movie itself has self-contained themes that will be different in the next one. So that's my thing is I, I agree with Constance. I do feel the ending is a bit abrupt, but I don't think that means the film is inherently, like I, I don't say that with any like negative connotation really. It's just, he's making a long form story and I have to wait for Dune part two to see how Dune part one goes. Like it chapter two, I love it chapter one. If it chapter two was better, I think it chapter one would be an improved movie, but it doesn't mean that I can't look at them independently. So I'm excited to see how Dune part two takes what was set up here and continues. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so that's the whole movie. Any other final thoughts on the movie as a whole that anyone wants to express? Rebecca looked good. <laughs> of she course. Had outfits. She did though. I saw a whole um, video. Actually, was your tweet now? But I saw like Probably. pictures of her. And I think the pensive hands. That was really baby. Gowns. Yeah, that was, that was And her in different gowns. I'm like, even though that gown was impractical from um, earlier, it was so beautiful, especially in like the still image with the colors. Awesome. We had such a lack of that red dress. Right. Why yeah. do we? We need more red dress, Rebecca, please. <laughs> um, my final thought was well, that, yeah. So my final thoughts, man, I love this movie so, 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 so much. I was surprised how much by how much I love this movie. As I said earlier, it is rivaling how much I love the Snyder Cut, even though. I can't well, wait I to see your end of the year list. I know um, it's going to be, it's going to be emotional turmoil to put that together. I'm scared, but I just. I'm just so shocked because this is more sci-fi and the thing is I'm more of a fantasy person and yes sci-fi and fantasy interconnect sometimes but they're different <laughs> so I think that's also why I was shocked by how much I enjoyed this and um even with the indie I was actually since a lot of people saw this movie a month ago and there was already some reviews coming out for it some people did say the ending was very uh, I <laughs> I had a comparison for it in my head, but they did say the ending was you no know, abrupt and oh, this just feels like incomplete. But so I think I was imagining a worse ending of where it could possibly end that would make me feel like oh, what in the world. So I think that I still like the ending of like, oh, we see the sandworm and someone writing the sandworm. This is just the beginning because um, it just makes me want more, not like this wasn't enough. And I guess that's the best way I can say that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will be watching this movie a lot. <laughs> I, I appreciate that on HBO Max, but I like that I did get to see it in theaters first. Yeah. Agreed. I really liked it. Um, I think it was, it's easily my favorite of the year. Um, I think 
just the world building in general is really well done. As we all said, the exposition is really well handled. All I really um, connected with and liked a lot of the characters. Um, the action was surprisingly good. Um, the visual effects, every like the production design, the costumes, all that. It felt so much of it was practical. It felt so real. Like I, I think what was yeah. not. Like they really yeah. They yeah. melded them very well. Yeah. I think the only other filmmaker who does big movies like this who can achieve that level of realism is probably Nolan. And I think this is yeah. This is probably even more real than some of Nolan's films. So I think. Denis really nailed this. He should be very happy. And I'm very happy that we're going to be getting a part two. Can I just say final notes? I, I, yeah. I want this to be, because this movie, the box office coming in, it's coming in around 40 million for the opening weekend with an HBO Max release, which is above expectations from the studio. I think it was supposed to be with a three in front of it. It has a four. Mm -hmm. um, I believe, again, we'll find out soon what official numbers are. But I do think that in the end, this is getting a lot of praise. It, I expect, I mean, I'm calling it now, I think sound, score, maybe score. Rebecca. Production. Rebecca. Production. Well, in a perfect world. Um, <laughs> afraid Italian's going to will uh, it into being. Will. I speak it into existence. But listen, I think this shows that don't judge everybody by one movie or one thing because I feel like Blade Runner 2049 was one of the biggest flops of all time. I love the movie. I think that's my favorite Denis film, but it was not well received commercially, but Warner Brothers gave him another shot and look what we have now. And even me, who I, I told everybody, I am the, I feel like of this panel, I'm the most critical, but I obviously love a lot of what this movie had. And I really like the film overall. Give filmmakers a chance. Cause I feel like a lot of times when bold, things are happening in this industry, it's like one and done. If it doesn't work, then we're never gonna do it again. And I hope that this is proof that, no, if we do something bold and it doesn't work, give the person another shot. Because a lot of times, like even when things work, like look at Nolan, Batman Begins was really good, but Dark Knight is one of the best movies ever made. Uh, look at Snyder, I think he definitely grew from Man of Steel and Watchmen to Batman v Superman and the Snyder Cut. So, I hope that when it terms of big budget genre storytelling, we give filmmakers the opportunity to grow. You know, currently we're seeing the Eternals reactions come out. So if Chloe Zhao wants to make another big blockbuster, give her the opportunity. Because Denis Villeneuve definitely, I think, even if I like Blade Runner 2049 more, I think you can see that he really grew as a filmmaker with Dune. So I just, I love, again, I love what this movie represents and I hope we get more of it. And it doesn't go just to straight to HBO Max. I hope we get more in theaters and people go see it the way it's meant to be seen. Speaking of more, um, there is a Bene Gesserit show that is going to happen and we're all very excited. Denny is kind of sort of part of it. I think he's just doing producing stuff. I don't know how heavily he is going to be in it. Rebecca isn't doing it. Um, but rambling? She... <laughs> hmm? Is Charlotte Rampling doing it? She better. If anyone's going to come from the Bene Gesserit into this, it, it better be Charlotte Rampling. Um, but um, Rebecca isn't doing it because she's doing her show Wool for Apple TV+. Plus. Very exciting. That's why she chopped her hair off. Um, she's got a little movie works. coming out in Italian, I think. Or two movies. She has Mission. She right. has Wool. And... June what? Part 2. 
and Dune Part Two. Part Two. <laughs> yeah. I'm calling it now. I think 2024 is when we're getting this movie. I think December 2024. December. Yeah. That's what I think that's good for. That's where it was yeah. initially slated. There won't be a Star Wars movie in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. October is a weird time for it. It's not super spooky. It'll be what? Avatar 3? But I mean, it's not going to happen because oh, Avatar, Avatar 2 will yeah. never come out, so, which means yeah. Avatar What's happening with that? No one knows. Yeah. No one knows. Who cares? Like home has <laughs> fallen and may never get back up. <laughs> Okie doke. Constance, anyone else? Any final thoughts? Um, just definitely, you know, I will always tell people to go to the theater, but definitely, definitely, definitely go to the theater for this particular one. This demands your eyeballs on a very big screen. So if you care about movies at all, and I'd like to think that you're listening to us because you at least kind of care. Um, yes, you have to support this movie in a theatrical setting because that's just the kind of thing that it is. So that's my takeaway as a non-sci-fi person. You know, I, I went there to support Jack and others and I, I had such a good time. I was not, I thought, okay, it'll be medium to, oh, I'll appreciate the competency of this, but I might walk away going, oh yeah, if I didn't have these friends, I might've skipped that. But I'm so glad that's not how I feel. I'm like, oh, this really is good. I can't wait for some more. So yes, that's my two cents. Please go see it in theaters. Yeah, you appreciate the support. If people aren't a fan of movies, I don't know how you sit through almost the same runtime of Dune long spoiler <laughs> review yeah. of yeah. Dune. Hopefully you've seen the movie, because if not, I apologize. You just spoiled the hell out of it. But you've pretty good. much seen We're it. We're going to put spoilers in, in all caps. And if, if Spotify can let us do um, block, then yeah. please. But yes, spoilers. Yep. Spoilers. Is that, yeah. <laughs> That was our spoiler review of um, Dune, one of the best movies of the year. Go check it out. Um, we have merch coming up that could possibly be Dune related. You know, keep your eye out for that. Um, follow us on all the social medias. I'm afraid I don't have them memorized by heart, but it's the council pod in some sort of configuration with underscores and such. You'll find us. Exactly. Um, and yeah, thank you for listening and check us out next week for another episode. Goodbye. Everyone say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.